Amen. You'll be seated. One of the greatest principles and truths of the Word of God is that the Lord didn't seemingly come for the multitudes. There were multitudes at times followed Him. John 6 tells us about a multitude. But when He was done preaching, they all left. He looks to the disciples and said, Will you go away also? But all through the Word of God, the Lord centered on searching for that one. He said in the Word of God, I've got needs to go through Samaria. There's just one there by a well of Sychar. He's going to see. He leaves the feast and goes to the, uh, by the, the water that moved the pool of Bethesda, not for the group, but for one, just one. And I find it amazing how often in the Word of God he went searching for the one. And um, tonight with the help of God, we want to look at another one in the Word of God about a man that the Lord sends him to go and search for the one. Now, we'll not take time to go through all the story, but Saul had disobeyed God, and um, the Lord uh, literally rent the kingdom from him, took some things that he'd given him. Saul was the people's choice. He was the best of the flesh, if you will, at that time. Yet he wasn't God's man. He was the people's king. And uh, the Lord uh, literally uh, took this thing away from him. Samuel's very upset about the matter. As a matter of fact, uh, God says to Samuel, How long, uh, Samuel, are you going to mourn and grieve and cry over this this matter, it, it, it's done. I, I took the kingdom from him, and I'm not going to give it back. This has been taken from him, and while you mourning this thing, and he said, I want you to get your horn with oil in it, type of the Holy Ghost of God, anointing. He said, I'm going to send you to Jesse's house, because there's a son. He's got a, he's got, he's got one. And I'm searching for that one. I, I love this truth. In our story, we learn that God is more concerned about, uh, the, we, we see in this story the heart of God more than we learn of the heart of men. David, the son of Jesse, was God's chosen king. David's mentioned 1,127 times in the Bible. By the way, in comparison, the apostle Paul's just mentioned 163 times. 54 chapters are given to the life of David, not including the Psalms. And so, what is it about 
this man that God wants us to know that's so vital. They speak of him over a thousand times in the word. 1 Samuel 16.1 says, made the announcement, I have provided me a king. You came to Samuel and said, Samuel, we want a king like everybody else has got a king. Samuel thought and accepted the fact, well, they're rejecting me. And God said, oh, no, no, no. Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as king. By the way, still people today are rejecting him as king. He longs to be king, but they're rejecting him from being king in their life. My prayer is, and and a good testimony to that is, you're here tonight that he's king in your life. And I may I say, God always still searching for those that he can bless and use. I praise God for that. He's searching this very moment in our hearts. He sees what men do not see. He looks where men cannot look. He spies out our spiritual needs and lives in our hearts long before man ever knows they're there. First Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, on the height of his stature. Don't, aren't you glad God loves short people? Amen. Look not on his stature. He said, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. There's a world that uses that verse. Well, God don't see, look on the outside. He looks on the inside. Well, that ought to motivate you on the outside to be what God wants you to be. That should be a motivating factor not something to use for your convenience. Should be a motivating factor. Saul had been rejected long before the people ever saw it. But God saw in the heart of Saul something that he could not bless. So God sends Samuel on a search. He's searching. And may I say tonight, he's searching in this service. He's searching. He's looking. He is always searching for that one. 2007, I believe, we had built this building and um, I, and all of a sudden, I was wanting to go to the next step and I didn't know how to get there. And... Uh, I went to Solid Rock Baptist Church to, to a meeting in Morganton. And Dr. Doug Fisher was there, pastor of San Diego, a lot of house Baptist Church in San Diego, California. And uh, he preached, and it didn't go over very well. It really didn't. But afterwards, we were out in the, the fellowship hall, and me and Darlene standing. I walked up to him. I said, Dr. Fisher, uh, I want to thank you for a message I heard in pastor school. Lord, protect me from me. And over 7,000 people trying to find a place in the altar when he was done. It was was amazing. 
I said, I want to thank you for that message. And I said, Dr. Fisher, I would really like to talk to you sometime. He said, what about right now? So we went over in the corner and we got some chairs and we just sat down and he spent three hours with us that day. And when he got done, he said, you are the reason I'm here. He would say, I I cross this country not looking for the multitudes. I come looking and searching. I have 400 people in my church praying that God would put me in contact with the one or two people that I need to touch their lives. He came searching for the one. And may I say, he helped me tremendously. It was tremendous. And God is still looking. He's looking tonight. I I know it's going to be amazing, but you didn't catch God off guard. You didn't walk into church and God said, oops. Wow, I didn't expect them there. You never catch God off guard. And so tonight, all of us are doing as much as we desire to do for the glory of God. And God is searching. I'm going to give you three truths. Now, I need to say this before we start. We know these truths. I'm not going to give you anything new. Uh, I'm not. But I'm going to give you three great truths. But that need to be more than just truth we know in our head. May I say they need to filter into our heart. They need to be more than something we know, but they need to become something that we earnestly, dogmatically believe. Not just what we know. Someone asked me the other day, uh, uh, in October, I'll finish 27 years here. Someone asked me the other day, what was the greatest, greatest thing, God, that, that I've learned? I said, when I was young, I believed some things about God. Now, after 27 years, I don't just believe them. I know them things are true about God. How many knows what I'm talking about? I know some things about God. I don't just believe it. I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Three truths, and then we'll go to the house. Number one, the Lord is in control. Now, you say, Pastor, I know that. Yeah. You can know that. All right? I, I was thinking about this today. Brother Neil has got a bobcat. He come and done some work for me. I watched him use that bobcat, and I, I think I know how to do that. But I've never done it. I can think I know something, but may I say, He knows. He knows. You see, 
we can say, I believe if I said, how many of you believe God's in control? Every hand would go up. But the reality is, how many of us really know He is in control? I fear too many of us believe, well, He's in control, but, okay, whoa, whoa, time out. That but's what gets you in trouble. He's in control, but this or that, or many of us say, I believe he's 99% in control. What about that 1%? Nothing would grab, would, would change our life more tonight than to get it. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn? Quench your whining. Quench your crying, Samuel. Get up. What are you doing there? Why are you mourning? I took this kingdom away from him. I'm in control of this thing. Samuel, you think you're in control? When I first surrendered to preach, first four years, I about went crazy. First four years, brother, I know it sounds silly. I thought it was my job to get everybody saved. When nobody got saved, boy, I'd pray, God, I'm not preaching right, I'm not preaching good enough. Lord, what's wrong? Man, I'd preach harder, I'd pray harder. Boy, what, what a grand day when I realized it's not my job to save you, it's His job to save you. And if I saved you, you're in a mess. You really are in trouble. Saul's life was certainly out of control, but the Lord was still in control. See, we see now this ideal that when things around us are falling apart, why well, can't, let me tell you why, you know, it, just, it always happens to us. I, it tickles me. Well, you know, you're just, that's reason. What? Huh? Do we really believe that? No. What you're saying is you're in the control. And that's the problem we're in now. What's gossip uh, in a mess? And the reason our families are torn apart and we've got difficulties in our life and, and so much chaos is because we're not willing to surrender the control that's already there. It, you don't give him anything. You don't give him a control because to give him something means he didn't have it. But to, I said, well, I'm going to surrender all to him, give him full control. Hey, buddy, he's already had full control before you surrendered anything. I love that. God, the Lord's my co-pilot. No, stupid. He's never been your co-pilot. 
Where'd you get that idea? Since when did he surrender the place to us? I want you to understand tonight that God, the Lord's in control of our lives. Bill, the Lord didn't, didn't say, oh, oh my God, Michael Gable, what are we going to do? Bill's going to have to have surgery. So why did somebody tell me that's going to happen? No, before you were born, ain't this amazing? Before you were born, God knew that on a certain date you would have to have surgery. Isn't that amazing? Before February the 21st, 1958, ever come to existence, before the doctor walked out and told my mama, you have the prettiest, cutest baby boy I've ever seen. Amen. And some things don't change. Let's move on. You are the cutest and the prettiest baby boy I've ever seen. Before that day ever happened, before my mom and daddy ever got together, there's a God in heaven that had everything in control. I'm telling you something. I don't believe. I know God's in control. I love your story. And I'm going to tell you, they couldn't have took you to jail if they wanted to. If God had to just crash their lives right there, He would have. Because you're His servant. And He said, not today. So He just uses a little old woman. And boy, I'm telling you, some old women mean. And come running out and said, you're not going to touch Him. Oh, you say, oh, that's just circumstance. That just happened. No! The Lord is in control. And we need to grab hold of that. How many believes our world is getting more crazier and crazier and crazier? That, uh, Tyler shared this in morning in Sunday school. How many knows the commercial author? I mean, the, the cartoon author. I mean, it's always been a good cartoon. But just a few days ago, the, a man married a man on a cartoon. My goodness. They've invaded the cartoons. Can't you leave nothing alone? See, the reality is, and you say, what's the big deal about it? The big deal is this. Regardless of how crazy our world gets, God is not surrendering His control because God doesn't change for the world. He's wanting us to reach people. He can change for Him. He's not changing. See, I, I, I would ask you, and I thought about doing it. Do you believe God is in control? Every hand would go up. That's not what I'm wanting. I don't want your hand. Now, if you could raise the hand of your heart, I'd say raise your hand. But the truth is, we can't. And let me say this. I don't want to hurt your feelings. God 
is a master, is a master at crashing your world to let you know he's in control. He can do it in a heartbeat. You don't, you say, but I tell you, I'm strong. I'm, I've got it together. I tell you, in one moment's notice, you, you won't have strength to do nothing. You won't be able to think. You won't be able to function. You don't even know your name. He didn't do that. And, and he don't waste no time. The reality is, the Lord is in control. Let me help you tonight. Oh, I'm glad you're here. And I believe that there's some people that, that God can make His truth real. It's sitting right here tonight. May I, will you hear me? Let, let's, let's quit giving Fox News and CNN the control. Let's stop giving our place where we work so much control. Let's stop giving the craziness of this world control. Why don't we as God's people, as God's people, why don't we get back to realizing He really is in control. He really is. I'm amazed. I don't just believe that. I know that. I could start right now and I could tell you stories. Oh, I got to tell you one, it's going to break your heart. I can't say a little white church. The Hispanics painted yellow this past week. It's not yellow no more. I mean, white no more. It's yellow. And they took painting my steeple from white to gray. I want to stop talking to them about that. That's all there is to it. The reality, I could tell you things that God has done. I want to ask you a question. Has God ever done something for you that you cannot reason, figure, nobody else could have done it? But He's done things for you that nobody else, nobody else knew it. He just done it for you that was so miraculous that you would say, that you would say, my, he is in control. Oh, how many times he's done that. Second, let's move on. Let's move on. Second, the Lord is always working. Well, I tell you, I wish God would do something. I thought today, before I took the church on this right side of my house, if you walked in my backyard, was all these woods. Praise God, just a beautiful field there now. But I have to mow, but I like mowing. And, uh, but behind my yard, behind my building, I would walk out there. Easter Sunday morning, I come to this little white church that's now paint yellow. And I sat down on the front pew, and there was 30 people there that Sunday. 
And there was four preachers preaching. And uh, I remember sitting there, and, and I, know, I know God don't speak audibly, but it's louder. Because God said, one of these days you'll pastor this church. And I remember taking my Bible and oh my goodness, I'm covenanted. It's, it's men's work. I can't do that. But I preached and I so enjoyed it. And I, I remember what I preached. I couldn't tell you what I did last week. And that Sunday, I knew that I would pastor this church. Didn't understand pastor, didn't understand nothing. But from that day, Easter to October, nothing happened. Darlene wouldn't talk to me about it no more. She, she said, don't talk to me about it no more. She wouldn't talk to me about it no more. Pray for her. <laughs> I would walk in the backyard and I'd say, and, and God, I know you'll think it's funny. I'd say, God, are you sure you're there? And all the time, he's working. See, I didn't know too much later that God was moving Brother Woody to the finances of this church and in this table. I didn't know later till Brother Woody was finishing the building that Sunday school classes they had built, him and Brother George. I didn't know what all was going on. But you see, God was a-working. Now, that's a killing me, but he's working. Now, after 27 years, I know something. I know that you may not see it, but God is always working. He's always working in our lives. He's always working. See, David couldn't see that. David's out here tending sheep. He's out here singing songs and taking care of sheep. Jesse had no idea. He didn't know which one it was. Samuel had no idea. But there's a God in heaven that's a working. Hey, Samuel, get your bottle of oil. And he said, I want you to head down to Jesse's house. May I say this? He didn't send a text message to David. He didn't send a letter. He didn't call him on the phone. And say, hey, son, I'm coming down to your house. He did not give him no advance notice. He did not call Jesse up and send him a text or, or a note. Or he didn't Twitter him, whatever you do. He, he didn't do nothing. He didn't put on Facebook. He didn't do none of that. Hey, Samuel. Yes, Lord. Quit your whining. Get up. Get you a bottle of oil. He said, I got you a... Boy, down now, I want you to search for him. I want you to anoint him. He's mighty. Hold it. Time out. David ain't king. (laughs) He's a shepherd boy. Jesse don't call him king. Jesse don't even acknowledge his life much. Samuel... Didn't know who it was. But in the portals of glory, in the heavenly host, God's saying, I got my king down at Jesse's house. I got my my king. Oh, you see? 
He's always working. We fret about too much. God's always working. See, he was preparing David when no one knew anything about him except the God of glory. If you read carefully the 16th chapter, you'll see that God dealt with Samuel, then Jesse, then Jesse's sons, and then finally he gets to David. May I say, the church is the Lord's, and you are His people and His work. I believe this missionary loves the Lord. Talk to Him today. He's the Lord's. The work's the Lord's. And He's always working. See, you don't think He's working. How many of you prayed? How many of you like me? I, I tell you, patience is probably not one of my virtues. I'll be honest. I'm not stupid enough to pray for it either. I just say God's good will to be done. Amen. How many of you pray for something and then you jump up wanting it immediately? How many of you prayed for something for a long time and still not come to pass? Well, I have. And I have to believe that God's working. Boy, I got so blessed in our terrific Tuesdays with Brother Paulie. I mean, I've been, I just praise God. You know why? He said he's praying. God, he's asking God for a million dollars. See, I've been praying for God for 400,000 to pay our building off. And, and I thought I was, I was really bothered. I said, why am I being selfish? God, am I, you know, is that the right thing to do? Well, he prayed for a million. Bless God, I ain't asking for near that much. <laughs> well, I'm standing there saying, boy, praise God. I, now I'll tell everybody, hey, and if it's in your, and, and may I say this, if you got it, we need it. <laughs> Amen. He said, he said he's paying for a million. I ain't asking for near that much. But the truth is, God is always working. Would you please tell me, dear Christian, why is it that when it looks like he's not working, that we start to doubt? Well, boy, I guess boy, it's over. Boy, I don't know what we're going to do. God died. Somebody forgot to tell me. Why is it we doubt so much whenever He's proven Himself over and over and over and over again? Lord, we're, we're, we're shouting when he does good. Oh, we're whining when he does. Not what we think. God is always working. Let me tell you the third thing. I'm, I got to quit. I got to quit. The Lord uses people others overlook. I stand amazed at this. He's a house graduate. He went to, to House Anderson when Brother Brother House was pastoring. 
And Brother House tells the story that on the Sunday God came to preach, he called a man by the name of Joe Boyd to preach the same day. Joe Boyd was an all-American football player. The pastor said, Church, I got some great news. God has called Joe Boyd to pastor. And everybody shouted. Brother Hiles come up. He said, Pastor, the Lord's called me. He said, Son, are you sure? He said, and this is the way he announced it. He said, Church, the Lord does some miraculous things. Brother Hiles has surrendered to preach. He said, They wept. Tells that story. He went to college, and an instructor told him, said, Electrician, maybe. A plumber, maybe. But a preacher, never. He said, Why don't you ask God to make you a miracle? He said, From that day, he began to pray, God, make me a miracle. He heard him. I wished everybody here could have heard him. He had an anointing and a touch of God that was so unusual. He could move an auditorium like I've never, I've just, it was just God. He could build you up, but He could thrash you quicker than anybody ever seen. I'll tell you one thing He could do. He could help you. And end up pastoring the largest independent church in His day. But nobody ever thought. He was let out of church when He was 12 years of age for crying. The preacher would say, because uh, uh, you had to take Jackie Boy out and, and it for crying. What I'm trying to get you to understand, I was aggravating, I was aggravating Wesley about uh, um, Emmett. He's a wild child. And uh, he's lovely. But I, I told Wesley, I said, if you'll keep that boy in church, I said, that boy will do great things for God. You wait and see. Because he's got about ten times more energy any person ever ought to have. <laughs> Those in Pats Club said, Amen. <laughs> he's got energy. He's got energy. And may don't 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 discount that. And by the way, I love for him being here. I love that. I love that. You know why? Because God may do something with him. You'll look and you'll say, Man, can't take control in it. Leave him alone. Because one day he'll be used. And you'll say, Is that that little boy? Hung from the chandeliers. That's him. That's him. You'll say, I never would have dreamed that. Jesse, here's my oldest boy. 
Emerson. Not the one. Why about his brother? Not the one. Down, down. Finally, Jesse said, Son, have you got any more children? He said, I got one. Tending sheep. I thought just tending sheep. Jesse said, Go get him. We'll not sit down until he comes. And we walked in. God said, He's the one. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody expected him. But you see, while they're they're waiting to get something, David's over our serving. He's singing songs. He's a minding sheep. Don't don't miss this. That's the reason why you ought to keep these youngins around here. That's the reason why it's so important. Because you never know the one that God... And by the way, because Jesse sent someone else to replace David, take care of the sheep, he could have already had David there. He sent somebody to take his place. So he could have had some already there. But you see, he didn't expect that one to be the one God used. You don't know. We are blessed with babies and more to come. The reason why we ought to keep them around here because you never know when God's searching and searching for the one. You never know when God is searching for that one that says, I thought I was saved. I thought I knew Jesus. But the truth is, I don't. Born in 1980, Darlene thought she was saved to short of Samuel Allen. Holy Ghost said, Nope. She's a lost church member. See, he's on the search tonight. And he's searching for you. And I wonder, who's he wanting to Who's the one he's searching for that's doubting God? That's just doubting God. Regardless of the reason, you're just doubting God. Who's he searching for tonight that he wants to use greatly? Who's he searching for? It's all stand to her feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed. Who's he searching for that knows not Christ?